I'll rue the day when I when uh, we start one of these podcasts and I'm not recording and we go for like 20 minutes. They're like, oh yeah, great, cool. Well, let's do that again. That's you like sh- when uh, I was, who was it? Oh, the first time I was working with Eva when we got done, she was like, that was great. Um, I couldn't <laughs> see anything because you weren't sharing, but I think you did amazing. I, I, re- like, I remember <laughs> that. Thank you. You're very nice. <laughs> well, let's do it again. Do you want to lead into that article that you read? Oh, yeah. So I was reading this article on search engine land saying, here's the headline, Google ads bug inflating some cost per click for non-US campaigns. Basically goes on to say that, so it was using automating bidding strategies. I think it was maximize clicks. Yes, yeah, so they say, we're aware of a problem with Google Ads affecting a significant subset of our users. Provide an update by May 25th, detailing when we expect to resolve the problem. A technical issue causing cost per click to be incorrectly inflated. Like, that's a very nice way to say we're robbing you. <laughs> aren't they, wait, aren't they grading accounts based on their utilization of automated bidding? Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, I just checked in with Google Partners Rewards because they're the ones saying that we want everybody to use automated bidding and we have the bulk of our accounts using some automated bidding strategy and there's a bug in their platform that says we're not. So I messaged them and say, hey, uh, we are. What's going on? Hey, Google Partners, um, we want you to use automated bidding to maintain good status in your partnership. Also, uh, we're robbing you. Cool. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Ever Bros podcast. Uh, last episode, we talked a bit about narrowing in a, a service focus, uh, and prior to that, picking a niche. But uh, once you have both of those, the next logical step is actually pricing your services. If you know who you're going to be marketing to or who you're going to be serving and what services you're going to be offering, the next step is figuring out what you need to be charging for those services. And there's a couple, there's a, there's a lot of ways actually to figure out how to charge and in what way to charge. So we use a, a billing model called productized services and we have productized services and we bill at a, basically a flat rate, but there's other billing models out there that Cody, you're more familiar with. I don't know if you've used them in the past, but yeah. So I think that most people will probably be familiar with this idea of billable hours and that's where it's not even just an agency. You go to any professional service, maybe an accountant, maybe a lawyer, and they're billing you for their time. So it's going to take three hours. This is my hourly rate. Therefore, you pay this times three, which is this amount. I worked at an agency that was very transparent about that, and it made growth very easy because you would just bank on an account for the amount of time that was spent on an account, and you could adjust it as you go. So if you found that you weren't using the time that you originally said the account would need, then you tell the client, hey, we're not using this much. We're going to reduce how many hours because we're overcharging you or the other way around and say, hey, uh, this is more demanding than we thought it was going to be. So we're going to have to up this because we're spending a lot more time inside your account doing these things. So that's a direct billable hours thing where you're very transparent with the client. They know exactly how much time you're spending there and what to expect with that. And internally, it's very easy to plan for growth because you know this is your team this is how much how many hours they're capable of working and when hours go above what you have for inventory then you need to hire you got to bring more people in that sort of thing and i don't love that one (laughs) i'm okay with it and i 
I think it's very cool if you're okay with that and you like that idea and that's comfortable for you, I guess. But um, I have to be comfortable with like overbidding, like saying it's going to be taking this and then also selling that Mm -hmm. our outsource developer does that. And then even our niche, our our niche clients, our landscapers and lawn care guys, they do that. They, they do billable hours based off of a quote. Yeah. And I guess we can say some things here that would be otherwise offensive in some cases, because the people who (laughs) would be listening to this are entrepreneurial of some sort. And I'm uncomfortable selling time directly. That feels like a strange concept to me. I guess if you're comfortable selling other people's time because they're employed by you. I mean, you can you can do it yourself too if you're comfortable selling it that way. I, I shouldn't say that. But uh, if you're selling other people's time and you know that they're dedicated to this much because you have this as your expected hours requirements, you know, for full-time work or, or whatever, right? You know, and you can sell it that way, then cool. If you like that, I just personally, I don't like that idea because I I like knowing and thinking that, well, what if I can do it faster? I don't want to be penalized for improving. Uh, So if, if I start out and this is only taking, uh, it's taking four hours, but then after two months, I can get it down to two. Why shouldn't I make the same amount of money? Because I found the efficiencies. Mm Mm-hmm. The devil's, and, adv- the devil's advocate of that though is, well, if you can do it faster, then you can fit more clients into your schedule. Yeah. I mean, so there's two ways to look at it. And I'm not going to say it's a bad idea. It's just personally for or me, I'm not a huge fan. And that's again, why we've talked about productized services before. So with a productized service, you've outlined what is included in the service and you should have a general idea of how much time that's going to take to do that or how much you can generally allocate for that, called it like an internal goal rate. So what we do is we have a, an idea of how much time should be spent for each product package that we sell. And it's a loose goal because if things need to flex, they can, that's fine. We can go and dedicate more time to accounts that need it. And then if other accounts are in good shape, then that's okay. Then we can just kind of leave them because we know that they're performing how we need them to be. And the flex is nice because we're, we're not bound to those hour constraints. But that also makes it a slippery slope for overworking either yourself or your, your team, because if everything goes bad, then what? <laughs> you haven't clearly outlined that, oh, no, these are the maximum hours that we spend on this. So mm-hmm. yeah, you, you could be fine. When we first started, we were building websites. We were basically giving away websites for free. We were doing like, I think a thousand dollars for our website build cost. Yeah, and what, we did our hourly and it, it was like less than minimum, wasn't it? Really uh, it wasn't, it was under uh, 14 bucks an hour, which most McDonald's okay. are paying more than that. And based off of the hours, we were, we were putting 20, 30 hours into a website build that would cost a thousand dollars. And on the front end, a thousand dollars is great, especially if you're, it's just, if it's just you, but if you're spending 20, 30 hours on it, you know, you might as well just pick up an extra shift at McDonald's. And at first it's, it's okay because you do need to build a book of business. You do need to build some website examples because you're going to hit that objection in the future, which is, let me see examples of your work. And it's harder to do if you don't have examples of your work and you're trying to sell new clients. So there were situations where I think our, our cheapest website build, actually, I think, I don't know if it was with you, Cody, or before you, but it was, um, 48 off. We charged them or I charged them. I can't remember 750 bucks for their website build. And it was two payments of three seventy five, and I gave them everything in the kitchen sink on their website, like thirty page website. Well, even when so you were saying like twenty and thirty hours, that's when things got better. <laughs> oh <wasn't>, yeah, <laughs> that wasn't when we were doing like forty sixty hours. Like it, there was a time when it was it was very bad. 
I, uh-huh. I, well, I had a philosophy too that I didn't want anything out there with our name on it that was subpar because I didn't want any uh-huh. competitor or you know other person ripping it apart. But that was at the very beginning. Like it's it's a lot different now. We're we're down to twenty twenty five hours on a site and actually like relatively profitable. But but we, we still know. I mean, should, we should say that it's a foot in the door. And I've I just had someone reach out to me on LinkedIn this week that said, "Hey, would you be willing to take a free site in order to build a relationship so we can get future work?" Um, and I said, "Hey, like we're not. This isn't something that we need right now. If it's something that comes up later, I'll reach back out." But so other people are doing that too, saying that, hey, I, for a foot in the door, I'll do this for free. And mm-hmm. since we're a marketing agency and not a primarily web design agency, we know that we do that with website builds because we want people on the marketing program. Mm-hmm. And that's where we make the money. Yeah, we're, we're okay with giving a market, giving a website for free if we, can, we know that that's going to turn a large profit in, in monthly marketing services. We haven't had to do that, but in the very beginning, that is what we did. We were at $1,000 for a website build, and now are more than double that for a website that's not even as many pages. And uh, a lot of that comes with confidence. A lot of it comes with actual past results of of some of our site builds. But then even extending into our productized service packages, knowing what you charge versus how many hours that you spend on that productized service is extremely important too, because... I'll, I'll give you an example. When we first started, our productized service for the green startup package, which was basic SEO and then Google Ads management with $100 in Google Ads spend, the entire package cost $600, which left our margin at $500. So we had an we initially started with $100 per hour. Like that was it was kind of arbitrary. I think that was kind of like you know, like, hey, we want to internally budget $100 an hour. It's not what we yep. charge the client. We charge the client a flat rate of $600, but we budgeted $100 per hour, which means we could spend five hours a month on that client for that specific service. And if we went over that, then our internal rate for what we're willing to work for is starts decreasing. And there were situations where we were doing six, seven hours because we were tracking some of our work on this and uh, realized, okay, we need to get a little bit more lean on this. And then we ended up upping our internal costs to $125 an hour. So Instead of spending five hours on a client, we can now spend four hours on a client. One, because we got leaner and we figured out how to do our services faster. That still had impact. And two, 125 is a very good rate for a website development company, a marketing company, really anything. A lot of industries out there use 120, 100 to 125 as a budgetary number. Even our clients use uh, 80 to 125 you know, our landscaping clients as, as an hourly rate. And it just has to go into overhead. So and then all their costs factor into that. So uh, when we use 125, it's just a very good number. We do it for our website builds now saying like, you know, if we charge 2,500 bucks, which it's, it has since increased from that, if we charge 125 for a website build, we're willing to spend 20 hours on that site. And yeah, if I, I think it's partly on your goals too, like, uh, if you, what are you going for here? Or do you want to be a high ticket freelancer? Do you want to grow an agency? Are you just making side money? Because obviously if you're just making side money, then you can sell for less. Yeah, you could do we, like we 40 to 60 bucks an hour if, if you're yeah. just freelancing. And if you want to be a lot bigger, then you're going to want to get even higher up to like 150 or higher as, as quickly as you reasonably can, because you know that uh, you're going to need that infrastructure to to grow to that point but mm-hmm. it does depend and i i wrote this down because i don't think either of us have ever said it but i, I think it's important and 
I was told this many times, so I want to clarify what I mean, but I'm just going to say it first is you need a business plan. You need a business plan. You need a plan for your business. <laughs> Should have had that on our I, first episode. <laughs> <laughs> you you do. And the people that have told me this have been older gentlemen and they're right. And I understand them and they mean very well. But when they say it, they mean I want a 20 page written word document of how you plan to grow your business. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you need a structure by which you plan to allocate things and keep things in check. That way you don't get to a point where you're like, oh, how did I get here? Why are things so bad? Why does my life suck? <laughs> Why am I spending so much hours on something that's not paying? You know, it's not worth it. And that's a good point too. Like I have some friends who I'm helping them learn how to build websites just so they can earn some extra side money. And they're asking me how much they should charge. And then I pretty much ask them, is this side money? Because, you know, if you're a freelancer, be willing to charge 40 to 60 bucks. And they go, holy cow, I'm only making like 20 bucks an hour right now. I'm like, yeah, but you're not selling your nine to five time. You're selling your five to midnight time. And that's more expensive than your nine to five time. And you're selling your weekend time. So as a freelancer, you can sell these prices at 40 to $60, even $80. I actually had someone reach out to me from a group that I'm in, like a marketing group. And they, they wanted an hour of my time on a Zoom call just to, to talk to me about setting up an agency and like how we did it. And at the time, I had never done this before. I still haven't done it since. It was a very unique experience for me. But I don't know what to charge because at Evergrow, we charge 125 an hour. And this is just me talking and I charged 80 bucks an hour because I'm like, ah, that's what I think my free time is worth because I have it divided between my day job and Evergrow. And, you know, I'll call my mom and talk to her for an hour for free. But, like, I'll talk to this guy for an hour. I don't even have to, like... mom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's got the best deal. I'll talk talk to this guy. I don't even have to do any research. I just have to answer his questions for an hour and I get 80 bucks. And, you know, when you're uh, a freelancer, you can charge those prices. But if you're looking to, to actually scale... You have to start at a price that makes sense for paying labor and paying insurance and paying some of these things. So when we say we started at 100 and then moved it to 125, we're pre-factoring in a lot of these things based on industry standards. And you can just Google like industry standard for web developer, industry standard for uh, marketing hours. And uh, 125 is a very healthy number. Once you get like 200, like that's actual like development work. Like you're a, you're a developer. Yeah. And that can go to like 500 an hour, $1,000 an hour as like a high ticket consultant for like a large firm. We're, we're throwing all these numbers out. And by this time next year, a hot dog is going to cost $50 because inflation's <laughs> going <laughs> yes. to take over everything. Keep in mind, this is 2022. So do inflation. <laughs> if you're listening to this in 2050, pull out our inflation calculator. It's May, May 2022. So by September, double your rates. <laughs> no. But you said uh, when we improved efficiency we effectively ate that because it was a productized service we didn't come back to our clients to say hey we're increasing rates we're charging you more what we did internally was say okay we don't have to spend as much time it's the benefit of economies of scale we didn't have to spend as much time on it which means we became more efficient so we can make more money with our time we didn't go back to clients and say give us more money because we got better we said we can accept more clients and accept more money instead of please give us more money so and we use Clockify. So Clockify.me is an app, a free app that you can do to track your time on specific projects. And it's super easy. You can either like, you just hit start and stop or you can manually enter things. And that that's where we started realizing that we're losing a ton of money on website builds. And we started tracking for like monthly SEO and monthly marketing services. 
And then we switched to our project management software called ClickUp, and we started tracking our time in there. Well, most of us looking at you, Cody. And uh, Cody's still using Clockify. He's an owner. I will talk about it. It's a real... He's an owner, so he can do what he wants, right? <laughs> It so, makes me sound so bad. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I feel obligated to defend myself. But you're not going <laughs> to. write it down, and then I'm going to come back to it if I feel like it. <laughs> but uh, so we, we have all what we call our minions, which is our employees. But it's not derogatory because we asked them. They track via ClickUp now. So if I look at our monthly SEO tasks and I see any SEO task over four hours, I can look into it and say, why did this take longer? And maybe it's a target account. Maybe it's a problem account, one that we need to spend more time on. That's fine. But if it starts happening month over month, we have an issue. And sometimes it can even be with a client's neediness. They can say, oh, the client's been calling us a lot. We've had to spend more time responding to emails. If a, if a client comes to us and say, hey, we want to add a uh, mosquito prevention page that wasn't on their site, we'll do that. But it's in lieu of the hours that we were going to put in doing other SEO services because we have a productized service. If that mosquito page takes seven hours to build, which I hope to God it doesn't, then that's one thing. But if they're doing that month after month after month, there's an issue. And we, we can address it with the client. And I've had to do this before. One of our clients in uh, the Midwest, they were like, hey, I want all this done. I want you know competitor research, X, Y, Z. And I remember talking to him on the phone and saying, hey, you spend 600 bucks a month with us and 500 of that is your management fee. What is your hourly rate? And he goes, it's about 100 bucks an hour. I was like, okay, let's put your hourly rate to what you pay us. How many hours do you think we should spend on your account from a business perspective? He goes, oh, okay, I see your point. <laughs> and like, it, it was a risky game I played because I could have either like really annoyed and aggravated the client but I was in a really good position with him, and a lot of our clients were were pretty uh, friendly with. But it was, it was it, you have to think of your services like that too. If if they're only paying you five hundred bucks a month, it, that's what your margin is. You have to set the expectation that this is all you get. If you want more, you need to upgrade, or you know have a, uh, have an upgraded service for that. So that can be an issue with the productized service, though, if you're experiencing that, because it means something was up with expectations, and maybe you need to update the details of the service now so people can understand that better. So one of two things, like you'll have that where, okay, you weren't clear enough, go back and fix it. But you'll also experience that along the way too because maybe there are parts that you didn't realize you needed to outline. And usually businesses do one of two things. I think the nice ones, I say nice, the perspective, but pushing back I think is a good thing because it's proactive communication is good. I would rather be told, hey, uh, not cool. As opposed to what other companies will do, which is just intentionally be slow. I hate that. I hate when instead of being, it's not, con I mean, it is confrontational, but it's not bad intended. It's, I'm telling you this because we messed up in setting the expectations. So I'm being proactive to let you know, as opposed to, oh, I'm just not going to respond for four days to give you the hint that you're getting more than you're paying for. Just tell me or tell the client, right? Yeah. We did have the same client too. We were like, hey, you're you're getting way more than any of our other clients right now and we need to we need to pull it back a little bit like if you want more we can upgrade you to the service for a few months and see what results that you're going to get from that but just be confident in setting your prices and setting your hourly allocations so like we our productized service is actually kind of a hybrid between billable hours and an actual productized service because we uh, how rigorously we track time our minions are not 
allowed to do a service with a client unless they're tracking time against it. And it's not, well, I guess they're part-time, so we do need them to track all of their hours. But when they go full-time, we're only requiring to track client hours. So, or at least that's what we're focused on. Time tracking is a hot topic. <laughs> I know some people are, they're like, oh, it's super important. Other people are like, ah, I, don't, I feel micromanaged. And I think if you're you're running the business, you have to understand that the agency I worked at before, we had Evergrow. And even with Evergrow, I, I continue to repeat this and say, the goal of time tracking is not micromanagement. I don't care about some of these things. Like, I can't tell you how little I care about what you're doing in your downtime as long as everything else is working out. But we have to know some of these things so we can plan accordingly and prevent bad situations. Because yeah. when things become time sucks and we don't know about them, that's how we end up with people who are very unhappy, not knowing how much time they're sinking into something that is either not making us money or, or wasting us a ton of money. And then the business gets into a bad spot. Actually, last week, that's exactly why you know, like we need to increase our website builds by 500 bucks. Because they're like, we're charging basically 2,500 bucks for our 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 basic website build, which is the hottest seller. And that we were, we were spending 25 hours on it, which if you do the math, I believe is $3,000. 125 times 25. Uh, let's look it up. Math. I know math is hard. We run agents. Uh, 30, 3125 is what it costs. So we're increasing the base by 500 and, and that'll give us more room. So we got to do two things. One, our website builds still aren't super, like they're not as efficient as possible. One, because we just trained two new employees that started two months ago. And uh, two, we're still improving everything every day. But increasing that, we're not now we're not eating $625. Now we're, if it takes 25 hours, we're only eating 125 and that's the real importance of tracking time and knowing your internal hourly rate. And that's why I said we kind of have a hybrid because we have an hourly rate, but it's not reflected on our client's invoice. It's only reflected on our labor hours internally to see if we do need to increase our flat rate for some of our services. Last thing I wanted to, when I was talking about the, the different ways that people can bill, I want to make sure that this was also mentioned is just value billing in general. So this idea that your time has nothing to do with what you're billing. In fact, you're probably, if it's just about the time, significantly overcharging because it doesn't take you that much time, but they're buying the value of it. So I think these are great things to sell in an agency because they are ways to increase your profitability with minimal time investment or a significant one-time time investment. So things that I've experienced with it, or maybe just thorough reports that you can send to clients that are maybe only web hosting. So you're you're managing the website, but they want to have an idea of how the marketing is performing. So it's an upsell. It doesn't take a ton of time, and it opens the door for later on if they do want to get into marketing, that sort of thing. It's a big time sink at the beginning. That's why it's a value bill, because the work has to go in somewhere. If you are listening to this and you paid for a guru marketing course that costs two to $3,000, that was all a value bill. That's definitely, absolutely. That was a all a value bill and you wasted a lot of money <laughs> because you're going to get all that information in this podcast and we're not selling any courses. Not for, yet. Not, not yet. That's, that's when we cash out. Yeah. But we're also not going to be charging a thousand bucks. Well, maybe in 2050 when inflation is so high that a thousand bucks. Next, next uh, in September, it's going to be definitely ten thousand dollars <laughs> for our course that doesn't exist yet. Okay, hey, no, I'm coming back. I'm defending myself. I wanted to say this. I wrote this down. 
And is this, is this a time tracking that you yeah, haven't switched over to ClickUp? Yeah, time tracking. All right, let's hear okay. it. Let's hear it, Amber Heard. <laughs> we have been working on two things internally, documentation and process management. And they're equally important, arguably. So we use ClickUp now for process management, but we've been working on documentation. The documentation isn't done. And I have a one-track mind. I am not capable of doing more than one thing well at once. So I said, hey, I want documentation to be at a very good point, And then I will come back and deal with process management. But between the two, I would much rather know how to do something than the order in which we do something. Because it's easier to direct someone and say, no, hey, here's the order. Just go and reference these things. As opposed to, no, here, you know the order. Just go do it. And they're like, how? Like, ah, that's a great point. I have no idea how to tell you. <laughs> let's Let's spend an hour every day on something that should only take five minutes and anyway i'm done I'm i done. love that your Just defense for not tracking time and click up is i suck this <laughs> like, it absolutely is. <laughs> like it wasn't even like it wasn't even like no this is like why i'm doing it the way i'm doing it because it's better for me at this point it's just like no i, I suck yeah <laughs> i'm incapable <laughs> <laughs> to for the for the listener, it, I mean, time tracking and ClickUp is as easy as just starting and stopping a clock, just like Clockify. I'll tell you why I don't think you use it, and I think it's because of anxiety. Oh, I, well, I can't even tell you how, right? Like, <laughs> I how easily am I overwhelmed? You tell very, me, yeah, like, very. you hit you hit me with an idea. Let's say let's say I have a, I have a blank mind right now. I'm like mm, nothing, you know, mm-hmm. tomato soup, no brain, cherry coke. Something like that. No, Why no you're thinking of both of those thoughts. together is weird. I don't know. Well, okay. So earlier, to, no, I'm not. I'm just I want to hear. It. <laughs> okay, you want to hear? Okay, so I was at I was at CVS. I saw they got the Amy's tomato soups. They're really good. I thought about buying one, then I didn't. But I did end up buying a cherry or diet. Uh, cherry Coke Zero. Oh, okay. I lost the original thread now, though. I don't know. Oh yeah. So your anxiety of how overwhelmed you are because you usually think of nothing. Yes. Yeah. You, you hit me with one thing, I'm going to be like, I like that idea. I'm going to think about it. You hit me with the second thing, and I'm like, whoa, dude, you just gave me one thing. Yeah, it's as simple as I like, can, hey, let's... I got start- someone on deck. That's it- fine. <laughs> Do not give me the dugout. I'm going to freak out. It's as simple as like, hey, we're we're going to start a podcast, and you know, this is kind of the order of episodes that we want to do. And Cody goes, okay, cool. Like, Let me look at that. Let me think about it. I'm like, great. You need to download OBS. You need to, um, you know, you need to get a second camera. You need to do all this. And he goes, whoa, hold on. I'm yep. still thinking about that podcast episode order. <laughs> and and then he's overwhelmed and annoyed. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Sometimes I think it would be nice to not be this kind of person. Be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm capable of, of having more thoughts in my brain than just one or two. But it's also nice to know I can just tell you. I mean, you, you're very understanding of this, but even other people in my life, I'm just like, hey, I'm going to do this to completion. Everything else I do not care about in my life. I'm canceling everything and I'm doing this one thing until it's done. And then I'll let you know. And then please hit me with the next thing and we'll do it. That's what's great about our first episode was like, I'll start a hundred things and never finish them. You'll <laughs> start one thing and finish it, but you'll never start two things. Yeah. And I think it's because I know too. Like if I did start two things, I would have so much anxiety. Like, well, now what? How do I prioritize this? Are Which you one st- do I finish first? Are you still tracking time on Clockify? Yeah. Why? Uh, I'm not looking at those results. Are you? 
Mm, I like to know every week. Oh, like just... how much hour, how many hours you invested? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. with like studying at the same time to know like, okay, am I am I doing a good job of balancing my priorities right now? Yeah, so that that actually that part is really helpful. But then even though I've told you this before, I don't know what work is anymore. When you're once you become self, whatever you want to call it, you're your own boss. Like, what is work? I got a message at two a.m. and I responded. That took two to five minutes because I actually had to give it some serious thought. I'm driving. I'm talking to someone on the phone. I'm not driving for work, but now I'm talking about business on the phone. Is that work? I don't know what work is. Work is my life. Life is work. Mm-hmm. There is no separation. Nothing mm-hmm. is real until you die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, well, did we have any other closing thoughts on pricing your services? I'm trying to think if like someone would have a question, like an additional question about pricing your services. The only thing I would say is like in the last episode about picking a service that you're good at, just don't get too broad with it, because or don't get too granular with it. You start getting too granular with it, and you confuse your clients, which you're actually selling them. Also, it just throws in more curveballs. Whereas if you just have like very simple productized services, this is just from my from how we model things. But it's just a lot simpler to price based on your hour. So I guess I guess what I'm really trying to say is really find what your hourly rate is, is going to be. Are you freelancing? Are you trying to scale this? And then figure out what your hourly rate should be. Figure out what your service is and how many hours you would dedicate for that client per month or per week. And then accumulate that into a package if you're doing productized services or accumulate that into a quote if you're doing billable hours. I think the only thing I'd add is I think the majority of people probably undersell themselves. So especially at the beginning, mm -hmm. we did be, yeah. And and sometimes that's okay. If you have to get a start, that's fine, but don't drive yourself crazy. Make sure that whatever you're selling, even if it's, because you have to balance market viability. Will the market accept what I'm, what I'm charging for this? Will they pay for it? with do i want to do this is it worth doing for the time and the money that i'm asking and if if both if one of those isn't okay then don't do it that's a really good point our client is lawn care and landscapers and our pricing is really geared towards the landscaper or lawn care person who is making two hundred thousand plus it's it's not geared towards those those landscaping outfits that are doing 50 million dollars although we're about to get a client that's that does 10 million which is our biggest one but 200,000 to 800,000 is really kind of our sweet spot when we started now it's you know 800,000 to 1.5 million is kind of where our clients are but if we were targeting like law firms i'm pretty sure our hourly rate would be a lot higher mostly because law firms ten, can pay $100 per click in google ads but yeah, they need massive budgets yeah. to, to advertise. So you, you do have to know your market when pricing your services because 125 is not, not a good fit for everything. It's, it might be a good fit for landscaping and local business SEO. But also, if you're doing SEO for you know healthcare systems or, or whatever, you might need to invest more time into your packages. So if you do have 125 maybe as an hourly rate, maybe you need to put 10 hours, double what we put in there. I just realized I forgot a very important one. Do you want me to throw it in here too? Throw like it. Like you can go on a little longer? Okay. Yeah. I didn't say anything about any sort of profit sharing agreement. Oh, um, yeah. And those are important. They're not as common. I've seen people ask before too, and I've been asked how many of those we're willing to do. Do I know people that do them? We have one. We have one sort of, and it's not profit sharing in the traditional sense that you would think of we have equity in a company that's then paying us out profits it's it's based on the agreement but we've 
made an agreement that we earn a percentage of profit based on performance. And we only have one. We have one client that we've done that with because we had a relationship for a long time before we arranged this agreement this way. And we have a good trust system with them. And I think if you want to do that, then you need to do one of two things. You need to have that relationship already built or take it really slow. For example, my girlfriend Jenny has a small handful of agreements like that. So she does Amazon stuff. That's like her specialty. And it takes time to develop those. And they're with people that she knows at least relatively well, because you can't not trust each other with that sort of thing. It's too touchy. It's too scary. If things go bad, they go weird. It's it's not a good, it's not a good system if you don't, or you're not able to do that. Yeah, it has to be based off trust. We trust our clients say, hey, you know, if you, if you get any leads through your website, we get, uh, what is it, like 30% of the profit for that sale? Yep. And they can easily come to us and say, oh, we got a lead, but we didn't get a sale from it. Even though they did, and they can lie to us about it because we're not in their CRM. We're, you know, we don't know any of this, but they don't. And we've built this relationship with them before we even started the agency because Cody and I worked with this guy who then started his own postcard marketing company. Uh, and then, you know, Jenny, she, uh, what she did, uh, I don't know, did she have a productized service basically? And then she was like, hey, uh, we can do profit sharing. Yeah. So she's open to different ways, but a lot of the time it ends up being a percentage of profit of growth. So they'll make a baseline and say, this is where you're at, right? We can assume that this is your general performance. So things above this mark, you can then most likely attribute to me right? Becoming involved in the things that I'm doing and test and, and measure and optimize these things. And then know that growth above this point is something that I should be entitled to because we already have the baseline established. So that sort of thing goes into the agreement. But yeah, so even then that's something that has to come with trust because you're saying, okay, what, what is you and what is me? Because mm -hmm. it's not easy to just draw a line if you don't trust each other and say, no, nah, this is it. This is what we're arbitrarily deciding. And our baseline is any any online submission because they do a lot yep. of out, outbound outreach and anything that comes inbound, we acknowledge that. And sometimes things come inbound that says, hey, we were referred to by so-and-so. And in those cases, we look at that subjectively and we say, okay, that's that's not us. They just went to the site and they filled out a form. But I mean, that's a good way to also get people who, when you first start out, say, look, I won't charge you anything. I'm performance-based. Yes. But you have to set guardrails up. You either have to trust the person and they have to trust you, or you have to be able to see their books, or you have to, you know, be in their CRM or or something. Usually it's trust, I would say. But if you get up agreement with they say, Yeah, well, you know, we'll we'll share books with you or whatever, then that can be tracked too. It's a little touchier when it comes to the agreement side of things. I personally don't like to do that. I didn't even want to do the profit thing with our current client because I'm just like, I don't know. Um, I really like our productized services. And also I am the sales guy. So I am comfortable selling a service. And if someone doesn't want to buy it, that's fine. We'll move on. Cool. Well, I'm glad you snuck that one in there because I feel like we would have got called out for not mentioning that. Well, I think that's everything. That's that's uh, that's how to price your services. So, you know, if you guys got any questions, you can always email me at jake at evergrowmarketing.com if you've got specific questions you want to ask i'm happy to respond to them if um, you have questions for me you can email jake at jake at evergrowmarketing.com yeah and don't talk to me <laughs> uh so anyways guys thanks for listening to the Everbros podcast tune in next time and we got some more tweets for you on how to grow and um, survive the agency lifestyle 